I love the playoffs. Anything can happen. But the best part? It's like bonus football. And bonus football means betting bonuses with Gambit DC. For a limited time, get up to a 57% multi-sport parlay boost on the Gambit DC app, online, or at any Gambit DC retail location throughout the district. It's the most exciting time to be a fan. So make your play and get the whole field advantage with Gambit DC. Limited time offer, terms and conditions apply. Please buy responsibly. Sports Podcast. This is your host, Tyler Wood. Thank you for joining us today on this Tuesday morning. This is the sports edition of the Revolution Sports Podcast, and if you didn't hear, the reason why I'm announcing that before we get into stuff is starting this week, this episode right here, we're going into a new format where we completely split up both politics and sports into two separate episodes so that way it's just easier we don't have to cut right in the middle and then switch over to a whole different set of topics they're just completely separate by episodes and you can pick and choose what you want to listen to if you just want to listen to sports and listen to the sports segment which is this one or if you just want to listen to politics then that one will be up as well and you can find it the same place you do you do this one and any of the podcast providers out there are website our social media pages anywhere it'll have it and you can find it there find both of them there if you're interested in both of them but prefer you to listen to both of them but uh whatever whatever suits you is fine with us but just make sure you give us a listen and share so that way we can continue to get our our voice out to other people and spread what we're trying to spread and continue to grow because that's our that's our main focus right now what we're doing but with that said like like i was talking about this is the sports segment so we got sports for you today going to talk about a couple of different things that's going on in the sports world we got the world series now we got the braves and the astros and that we've had so we have a recap with the uh of the nfl weekend and then we got the recap for college football as well and not going to get into NBA today. We've kind of had that for the last couple of weeks, so not going to talk about that. But with that said, we're going to kind of get into some of the NFL games to start. And so jumping right out, we're going to start into one of the, I thought was one of the more important games of the week, but also has a lot of effects just based on what what the game entails. But for this one, it was Cincinnati and Baltimore. And if you paid attention to anything at all, Cincinnati ended up killing Baltimore. It was 41-17. to And... This is just something for me. I'm just going to start out with talking about this, talking about one individual player, and then I'll get into the rest of you know some more parts of the game. But for this, an individual player that continues to stick out to me and that has stuck out. I mean, just since 2019, and I'm sure you guess you're you can guess who I'm going with on this. But is Joe Burrow? I mean, the guy came from Ohio State, transferred from Ohio State, went to LSU had one rough year at LSU and then since 2019 has become just absolutely dominant wherever he has been he struggled a little bit last year but that was due to an injury and he didn't get to play as much and all that but where he's been and where he's been healthy since 2019 he has been absolutely dominant and that is a trend that is continuing now in the NFL we saw him like I said had one year struggled a little bit at LSU and then 2019 something just 
something changed, the more player development, different mindset, whatever you want to call it, he instantly just became an absolute killer in his mindset and what he wants to do. And it's not just a simple, all right, we're going to methodically move the ball down the field. I mean, it's just a killer mentality. They hit you. I mean, it'll be third and long, and he's going to hit you with the play right up the middle. That's going to absolutely gut your team. And that's just who he is. He has no problem being able to, I mean, having to be physical, running the ball outside of the pocket, being able to, you know, to go after that first down and really put his shoulder into someone to be able to get that first down. That's just the type of player he is, and it's just translated so well. Like I said, first year in the NFL, had an injury. He played well the first couple of games that he played, but then, like I said, injury derailed the rest of the season. Ends up coming in here, and he's just, like I said, he's just been phenomenal. He's had two touchdowns every single game, and I mean, this year so far, and every single game he's played. And then in this game right here against Baltimore, he has 416 yards passing and three touchdowns. He did have one interception, but, you know, it's just one. Um, obviously, he'd like to get that number to zero, but it's the NFL, you're going to turn the ball over some. But anyways, 416 yards, career high. I mean, that's just absolutely impressive. You continue to see him get better and better. And to me, he's the type of player that I look at as going to be absolutely dominant for, I mean, for the rest of his career. And I think he has the potential to be one of the best quarterbacks of all time when it's all said and done because he's just got that that type of mentality, that type of, I don't know, he's just got the it factor that you want in a quarterback, and he absolutely possesses every bit of that. And so I definitely see him up there with the greats, Tom Brady, Peyton Man. I see every bit of that in him, and I hope he continues, to, as long as he can stay healthy, obviously, that, that definitely has a has a place there, and we saw that last year when he wasn't healthy. So he's got to stay healthy, but this year, I mean, he seems to be doing just fine. And because of that, you see the Bengals rolling right along here, and they're 40, win this game 41-17. to They're 5-2, and two, now tied for first in their division with Baltimore. So, like you said, this was a real big game for them because you got the tie in the division now. But it also, it, it starts waking people up. You hear even their coach talking about it, how some teams are starting to respect us. And they're just gaining respect around the league as a whole because even though, like I said, they Burrow was out last year, so they struggled a little bit. And then they got they were expected to be better this year, but I don't think anyone thought they would be this good this year because it's not just on the offensive side of the ball. The defensive side of the ball is playing well also. And that was evident in this game. Had multiple sacks on Lamar Jackson. And just the whole team is just starting to really put the pieces where they need to go. And they're starting to look like a team that could actually contend later on this year. And I I mean, they deserve that respect that they're getting now at this point. But like I said, just both sides of the ball playing well and rushing attacks, not, not too bad. They got two guys back there that's able to get some, able to get 50, 50 yards a piece. So, I mean, you split it pretty well, 12 and 11 carries between Mixon and P Ryan. So you're, I mean, you're doing a good job just in all all facets, and this game just showed it. But on the flip side, looking at Baltimore, I mean, this is kind of what I was worried about, and I've talked about it for weeks when it comes when it's come down to them. It's just a simple fact. I don't know if I trust their defense still. They've had a couple of good games here and there, but when they've had to place a offense with a pulse or an offense that is, can be really good, they've really struggled. I mean, we saw that with Kansas City, and then we see it here with Cincinnati. So. They're going to have to find some way to be able to get better defensively throughout the course of the season if they want to win it all later in the year because you're just asking a lot of, a lot out of Lamar Jackson. And here's the problem, another problem I have with them is I keep going through their box score and I keep watching some of the, you know a couple of their games and how they play, and I look at it, and Lamar Jackson's almost usually at the top of their rushing yards leader. And that's great. Lamar Jackson's a good player. But at the same time, I keep talking about this, and it's the same thing I'll talk about when I talk about the Kansas City and uh, Tennessee game. You cannot have your quarterback consistently be the top rusher for your team if you want to be 
serious about contending for a title. You have to have a balance, and you can't be putting everything on your quarterback. So you see it here when it came to this game. You have Lamar. He goes 257 yards passing, one touchdown. But then you go down here, he has 12 carries for 88 yards. And like I said, that's good. That's great. That's what you would you know want out of him. But at the same time, though, you go down the list, you got Devontae Freeman, four carries, 14 yards. Uh, T. Williams, two carries, 10 yards. So, I mean, you're just not getting anything else out of them. And so you put it all on the quarterback, and then on top of it, your defense gives up 41 points. You can't expect to win many, many, many ball games playing that way. And I think they understand that, but there's some stuff that they have to correct, and they're going to have to do it quick because, obviously, the season progresses, and now you're in a, a tie in your division with Cincinnati. So it can get real interesting there, but they got a bye week next week, so they'll be looking to improve on some stuff. But... Anyways, next game up, said I was going to talk about real quick, got the Chiefs and the Titans, and going back to this, I mean, it's just kind of what I've reiterated the last couple of weeks when it's came to Kansas City, and it may have in part that they're playing some good teams, that's why I keep talking, bringing up their games, because they find themselves in some big matchups here over the last couple of weeks, and this one was obviously no difference, but Tennessee just absolutely, I mean, just went after them, punched them right in the mouth, I mean, they had 27 points in the first half, it was 27-0 at halftime, so it's not like this game was close, I know it, you know, you're sitting here thinking, oh, they didn't give up 30 like I've been talking about, but it doesn't matter, they had 27 in the first half, they're not playing guys the same way in the second half, it just... It's just, once again, Kansas City's defense has just been absolutely atrocious. But the thing is, it's you're starting to see the wear on the whole team because now you're seeing Patrick Mahomes not play well. You're starting to see the offensive line break down. They had four sacks on Mahomes in this game. So you're just seeing different parts that are breaking down, and just the whole team, you can just tell it's just not there. And so you're seven games in now. You're getting close to the halfway point of the season it's like I keep trying to tell people, even in college football, you're getting to the point where you are what you are. There's not really much you're going to change over the course unless you have a huge trade that, I mean, can really bring the whole team together. I'm just not seeing that. I'm not seeing something that really pieces stuff together for them there. But I just don't see how they really get much better. I think this is going to be the year they either go 500 or they're just a couple of games under 500. The offense struggles behind a, a subpar offensive line and a defense that really struggles, and they'll have to retool during the offseason. But that's them. That's their – I mean, obviously what's happening with them. And it doesn't help that Mahomes can't stop throwing interceptions. He's got six straight games with an interception. Just – it's not good. And obviously that comes a lot with having so much on his shoulders because, once again, like I said with Lamar Jackson, having your quarterback being your top, top rusher, you're having the same scenario here. He had six carries for 35 yards. And then on the other side of it, you're looking at who, he, who is rushing as well. Their running back had five carries for 20 yards. So you're just not – you're not really getting anywhere when it comes to having anybody else there helping him in the rushing department. So that's what you get. Everything's on his shoulders. He ends up throwing a couple of interceptions because he feels like he has to make something happen. So that's the type of, type of scenario that you are getting when it comes to that. But uh, on the flip side, you're looking at Tennessee, and they continue just to play better. Their defense has woken up. Their defense is playing really well. They were, like I said, had four sacks in this game. But – Obviously, you know what you're getting with Derrick Henry on the offense. He gave gave you 29 carries, 86 yards. Just an absolute workhorse. It's not a lot of yards, but it continually wears down a defense. And you continue to have that rushing threat there. It opens up stuff for Ryan Tannehill, and he's got a good group of receivers there. So, they uh, obviously, A.J. Brown with eight receptions, 133 yards, and a touchdown. So, just able to move the ball. They scored on their first five possessions. So, I mean, just walked out there and absolutely just – dominated Kansas City from start to finish so not a not a good look at all when it comes to that game for for Kansas City so 
With that said, though, we're going to move over to the college football weekend. And the two games we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the Oregon and UCLA game, and then we're going to talk about the Oklahoma State and Iowa State game, just two of the bigger games of the week. We didn't have any ranked-on-ranked matchups, and if you saw any of my preview and prediction stuff, that's what I primarily you know, pointed out. But I knew there was going to be some good football, and that's obviously what we got in these matchups. And these two probably just have the biggest effect when it comes down to what what's going on for the future of college football. And then after I'm done, I'll break down a little bit of what the rankings look like now and kind of just give you some big picture stuff like we always do after we talk about this. But anyways, Oregon, UCLA, looking at this game. And we knew it was going to be close because we know we knew Oregon had been struggling offensively, but they did find a little bit of offense in this game, which was, I mean, obviously a little bit better than their impact. I mean, what they had been putting up in terms of offensive numbers. But here they played a lot better, and that was completely thanks to their quarterback, Anthony Brown, who decided to finally have his best game of the year other than his two interceptions. I mean, he was 29 to 39, had 296 yards passing, but like I said, no touchdowns, two interceptions. Those obviously didn't help. They made things tougher on on Oregon, especially late in the game. And then rushing, he had six carries for 85 yards. So if he cleans up the two interceptions, you're obviously in even better shape than what you are. But uh, what really saved them, they're, I mean, it, well, I'd say saved them. It kind of saved them and hurt them at the same time, though. But that the defense able to allow UCLA to be able to get back in the game late. But they finished it off when they needed to in the end. But for Oregon, this is a big win for them, obviously, because of the Pac-12. It moves them to 6-1. and one. And just the reason it's so big, obviously, you lose this, you got two losses. No one from the Pac-12 at that point is getting into the college football playoff. And I still, at this point, looking down the road, I still don't see Oregon getting in there because I just don't see how they're one of the top four teams in the country, especially after losing C.J. Verdell for the year, their running back, who's had multiple thousand-yard rushing seasons. He was so good for them, great in that Ohio State game where they beat them, but their offense has just not been the same without him. And it took a great monster performance from Anthony Brown to do it. And I just don't know if he's able. He's going to be able to do this consistently every single week. He hasn't shown any consistency when it's come to being able to put up this performance so far. So I don't know if it's just a switch that finally flipped, but I'm not willing to bet on it because he just seems to me he's more like a game manager. He's not your type of you know Marcus Mariota or someone who's going to take over the game like has been seen previously at Oregon. So for this, this is a good win for them. Obviously keeps them top of the Pac-12, keeps them in the top 10. But I, I'm still, I still got a lot of concerns about them because even as good as that defense is supposed to be, led by Kayvon Thibodeau, they still gave up 31 in this game. It's just there's still a lot of ifs. And obviously, you keep winning games. That's the name of the game, you know, win games in advance. But to me, it's just it's not you're not getting any better. And that's about the point. This is the point of the year where that should be happening. You're seven games in at this point. You're past the halfway point. You're in the stretch run when it comes to this at you know at this time of the year. And we're seeing that with some different teams that a lot of people keep saying, oh. Where you know you got time to work on it, you don't have time to work on it. It's the same thing I just said in the NFL, and I said I was going to say here: you are what you are at this point. You're not going to become massively some better team just because you either have a bye week coming up or you have a couple more games before you play a Pac-12 championship or anything like that. You're not getting there when it comes. When you're not getting that much better, you can improve a little bit. Your offense can finally find a rhythm. But if, especially when you're struggling defensively, it's a little bit harder. Your offense can find a little bit of a rhythm, but you're not just going to massively go from 
scoring 15, 20 points a game to scoring 40, 50 points a game. That, that's the type of stuff I'm talking about. So here, to me, it just seems like Oregon's probably more middle of the road in how they're playing. And that's no – I mean, UCLA was a good team, but obviously they, now they have three losses. They're a middle-of-the-road team, and you struggle with it. That's the type of scenario I'm talking about. If you match them up with, say, a Ohio State again now, I think Ohio State would would win pretty handily because I think their offense would be able to go, run all over them and throw all over them. But uh, – that's what I'm trying. To, that's what I'm just getting at, though. They're not going to get much better than what they are at right now, especially losing their best player with C.J. Verdell. So, for them, it's really to me. I mean, you're trying to win out the rest of the season. I don't know fully if I can just, you know, I would bet on it type deal with Oregon, but obviously they would like to because obviously it gives them into the Pac-12 and it gives them a shot at the college football playoff. Still, this year has been. Absolutely crazy when it's come to upsets. We've seen that. Obviously, I'm not going to get too much into this game, but if anybody watched college football this weekend, we saw Penn State, number seven, lose to Illinois in nine overtime. So you just don't know what's going to happen. Anything can happen any given week, and that's no different here. So they're just trying to win each week. And if, I mean, if you get to the point and a lot of teams lose and you're still only have one loss and you win the Pac-12. I mean, obviously, you have to look at them consider for you know for consideration. But if you get matched up with the likes of Georgia or Alabama or some you know Ohio State, someone of that nature again, you have that type of rematch. I just do not see it going well for them. So, do they have a shot of making it? Yes, I just wouldn't put money on it because we all know how the committee is when they get into that type of stuff. They like to talk about eye tests and who looks the best. And to me, they just don't look look that. They got a couple of decent wins, but. To me, they just don't look it at this point now. So, uh, losing C.J. Verdell, I really felt like changed a lot for them. So, anyways, so moving on from there, going into the next game, we're going to talk about, we're going to look at the Oklahoma State and Iowa State game. And number eight went down. Iowa State was able to win 24 to 21. And this was finally, I felt like the game that we kind of felt Iowa State was going to be able to to show that they had – I didn't have them winning this game because I just felt they've so, been so inconsistent. But I felt like this is the type of play that they could have been playing all year. And we saw them drop two games earlier on in the year, and we're sitting here, we're like, what? what is wrong with y'all? But then they finally – it just seemed like over the last couple of weeks they finally started – started to get rolling like we thought they were going to and because of that they're in the I mean they're right here in the mix for the Big 12 but at the same time though because of those two early losses do you see yourself even if you win the Big 12 do you have a shot for the playoffs so that's what I'm saying there's just so many moving parts when it comes to this season so many different things have happened and so moving over to Oklahoma State real quick this game for them it just came down to what we all thought it would. It came down to was Spencer Sanders going to be able to make the big play when when it counted? And, I mean, he did decent. He's 15-24 for 225 yards, three touchdowns, average yard throw, 10 yards a throw. So, I mean, he played decent, but it's nothing that's really going to put you over the top when you go on the road and have to play against a team that can really stack up in the line of scrimmage with you. And that was what you saw. Their defense was able to stop them on fourth down. I technically, on that fourth down stop, I thought Oklahoma State got the first down. I really did. But, obviously, that's just that's just how college football goes. Sometimes you get the call, sometimes you don't. And, obviously, they were not able to get the call this time. And they walk out of there with their first loss. And so, for them, it's not the end of the road, obviously. It's still it's only your first loss. You I mean, you, you still got everything you want ahead of you. You could win out and still have a shot in the playoff win the big 12 you got all that 
So for Oklahoma State, this is just about regrouping. But like I said, at this point, you are what you are. And so Spencer Sanders, he's just been inconsistent. And so you have games where he really just shines, can dominate. And you didn't have that this game. And Oklahoma State has been known for their, you know, their rushing attack as well. And they only had 107 yards in this game. So that was kind of surprising to see as well. So it was the first time we really saw them struggle. But... I was, I mean, different type of defense they play against. Iowa State's got a really good defense, and when you finally go run up against that, and that's the type of performance you got. So, like I said, it's kind of inconsistency. They've been able to pull out some wins against some, against some decent defenses, but you really stacked up against a really good one. Running game kind of struggled. Spencer Sanders couldn't really put you over the top. That seems kind of reminiscent of how things could play out later on when you have bigger matchups like Oklahoma, and you have those type of matchups. So. It'll be interesting to see for them, but Iowa State, this puts you right back in the mix. You finally see Brock Purdy play the way that we thought he was going to be able to at the beginning of the year, the reason that he was in the top running for the Heisman preseason, and he was 27-33. to 33. I mean, 27-33, to 33, that's great. That's fantastic. That's I mean, that's what you want. He had 307 yards, two touchdowns, able to put them over the top. I mean, that's the type of performance you expect. You know, you have to have, if you're Spencer Sanders, to be able to win this type of game, go on the road in that type of environment. And he didn't have it, and Brock Purdy did. And that comes a lot with experience. So you see that Iowa State goes to 5-2. and two. They finally find themselves back in the twenty five. I mean, top 25 after being out for the last couple of weeks. So huge win for them. So with that said, though, going to look at the breakdown of what is happening now in the AP poll. So you went from different teams like had Penn State that dropped. and I mean, you just had a – a lot of different movement. Number eight, Oklahoma State drop. So, looking at the top ten now, you got Georgia one, you got Cincinnati two, Alabama three, Oklahoma four, who dropped two or one spot. Excuse me, actually swapped spots with Alabama. Number five, Ohio State six, Michigan seven, Oregon eight, Michigan State nine, Iowa ten, Ole Miss, and I'm not going to go through the rest of them, but. I'll tell you which where they dropped at. Oklahoma State dropped to 15, and then Penn State dropped all the way to 20. So that was a big drop, dropped 13 spots. I think that was one of the biggest moves of the year when it came when it comes in terms of losing or winning a game, moving up or down. So that was really interesting to see that matchup for Penn State, and that was it was it was a surprise. We kind of thought I had thought they were going to. I mean, roll over Illinois, which they should have with the type of you know guys that they have. But I think they got caught looking ahead to that Ohio State matchup, and that's what teams that are inconsistent, not ready, do. So, I mean, you've got two losses now, and you still have a lot of your biggest matchups to go. So, I just don't – it don't look good for Penn State. I think they can drop their next couple of – you know, they might even end up losing four, four games, possibly five later – I mean, later in this year. So, not a not a good look for Penn State. You actually had everything in front of you, and then you end up dropping the ball in a couple of matchups that you, I mean, that you shouldn't have. So, obviously, the 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 loss against Iowa was bad in the fact, I mean, that you lost. But at the same time, it wasn't bad in overall terms because you end up dominating that whole game until Sean Clifford went out. So it just a real bad turn of luck in that game, and now you got two because you weren't prepared in this one. So. That's just how it goes sometimes, but they find themselves really back against the wall when it comes to Big Ten plays, so it'll be interesting to see how that matchup against Ohio State goes. But anyways, looking back to the top ten and looking at this, Iowa finds themselves back at number nine, but they didn't, I think they had the week off, so 
here they are just moving back in. The thing that was interesting to me was seeing Alabama jump Oklahoma because I didn't feel either one of them played well at all. And I know people are screaming, oh, Alabama won 52-24. It does not matter. Their defense continues to show that there's been no improvement from where they were at in the Texas A&M matchup or the Florida matchup to where they are now. That linebacker core and that secondary continues to get burnt just right down the middle on the outside. They're just, they're just not, they're not either mentally focused. They're just not there, but they're just not playing good football when it comes to that. And it's real surprising to see, but it's been kind of consistent with how they've played over the last couple of years because their defense just hasn't been up to Alabama standard. And then now you're seeing it. I mean, it just, it's, it's pretty bad to see. I mean, I watched that game against Tennessee, especially and they're just not communicating. They're getting beat right over the top. I mean, it's miscues, and they're just getting beat on stuff that's just stuff that you wouldn't typically see from a Nick Saban coach defense. And obviously, I know he's not the defensive coordinator, but he is the head coach, so everything goes back to him. And obviously, Saban is a defensive-minded coach, so it's just real surprising to see. But for me, I'm I'm going to I'm talking about uh, going to talk about real quick about someone. Uh, Jamie Erdahl for CBS was talking on the Greg McElroy podcast, talking about how because uh, you see Alabama they rise back up after I mean just a couple of weeks after their loss to A and M. I mean we think we're what three weeks out from that now. It's only been three weeks and they're already back at up to number three. So really interesting to see. And so they were talking. She was talking about how right now the gap between Alabama's defense and Georgia's defense is wider than the gap between Alabama's offense and Georgia's offense. And I would totally agree with that. But then she went on to further say that she was talking about how she felt like Nick Saban was going to be able to find a way for them to really turn it up a notch on defense, really plug the holes that they have and be ready to go when it came to the matchup against Georgia. And before I go any further, I'm not saying that Georgia's going to beat Alabama in that game. I'm not going to say – Anything is going to happen in that game because you never know. I'm not saying that. We'll talk about that, and I'll give you a prediction when that come when that type of matchup, if it even occurs. You know, Alabama still has to win out to be able to to get there. But not going to talk about it now. Predict whatever matchup is there. But talking ahead in terms of where they're stacked up now, because obviously a lot of people, even though Cincinnati's still sitting at two, everyone still thinks at this point that Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State are one, two, and three more than likely, if not, you know, Ohio State ahead of Alabama. That's where you're sitting at right now. So with that said, though, she's talking about how there's a get, bigger gap between Alabama's defense and Georgia's defense than there, than there is between the Georgia offense and the Alabama's offense. I completely agree with that statement. I think Georgia's defense is head and heels above Alabama's defense, and I think Georgia's offense has continued to improve. They're not at Alabama's level, obviously, but they're – they're getting better and they're improving and they're being able to consistently put up points. It looks pretty easily to me. But with that said, though, she thinks that SEC championship rolls around. She doesn't think that Georgia's going to want to see Alabama because she thinks that defense is going to be a lot more in tune and ready to go. This is what I talk about when I say you are what you are. You're not changing stuff this late in the season. It's not like you're magically going to put in some player who's going to magically just change your whole defense. You're not going to change your whole system right in the middle of the season. It's not like you're week two, week three. This isn't something that you can just consistently, all right, we're going to get better now at this point. You're at the eighth game of your season against Tennessee, who's not who's not ranked, who's not been very well, and you consistently to get burnt right over the top. I mean, they had a 70-yard touchdown pass in, late in the game in the fourth quarter. I mean, you're in fourth quarter within a one-two score game, and you're giving up that type of stuff. I can't, I don't trust you. And I just don't see how that magically changes within four to five weeks. I just do not see it happening whatsoever. Yeah, they have a bye week coming up, 
But at the same time, though, you're not going to do nothing magical in that bye week to just be able to go in there and dominate and be a dominant defense. I don't, and I'm hearing that from a lot of people. It just doesn't sit well with me because it just doesn't make much sense. And I'm very, a very, I would say, logistics guy, or logic guy when it comes to this type of stuff. And you can't just logically tell me within four or five weeks that they're just going to look like some dominant defense. I mean, the way we were talking, Alabama's defense is going to be up near to par with Georgia. That. I'm sorry, I just don't see that. You're talking about an Alabama defense who's continued to struggle, just randomly becoming one of the uh, one of the top defenses that we've seen in college football within a matter of weeks. Because that's exactly what this Georgia defense is. It's one of the best defenses we've seen in college football history. So that's what we're seeing right now. I'm just I'm not understanding that logic. But going down, looking at someone else real quick, and I'll talk about Ohio State. They continue just to take the tops off of teams, the blowing out teams. They beat Indiana 54 to seven. They continue just to look the part on offense. My thing is they haven't really played anybody with an offense to challenge them, and they also haven't played anybody with a great defense. I know a lot of people were trying to say that this Indiana team was a team that, even though Ohio State was able to blow out, so that was a big deal because of Indiana, you know, is supposed to be a good team this year. I think a lot of people are still trying to pull from what Indiana did last year. It's not the same team at all. They got a losing record this year. It's not a good Indiana team. So I'm not really impressed with that. I just think Ohio State's doing better. Obviously, I think they probably can still pull off the the Big Ten. I think their biggest challenge is going to be Michigan. So that's going to be interesting to see when that game rolls around at the end of the season. But for now, I've, to me, they look like the number two team in the country. That's why I got them number two on my top 25 because they've just been the only team that I've seen that's been able to, since their loss to Oregon, consistently get better. And I hadn't seen that with teams like Alabama. I hadn't seen it with some of these other teams like Oregon. I mean, you just hadn't hadn't seen it so this one I have seen with Ohio State now do I think that they are the best team in the country like some people want to talk about and how they want to a lot of people are saying they'll they'll dominate anybody they play I don't think so because we haven't seen them play a team with the Pults over the last couple weeks people want to talk about Rutgers and now Indiana they're not good football teams they're just either low middle of the road or just not good. They got losing records at this point. So not good football teams. It, I'm waiting for them to see in these matchups against Penn State and Michigan and those type of matchups to see where they really stack up because rest is, a lot of these other teams, Alabama, Georgia, uh, Cincinnati, they've played the harder parts of their schedule. We know what they are. We know where they're at. And I don't see too much changing when it comes to those three. But for now – Ohio State has to play their toughest part of the schedule here the last couple weeks. So, interested to see how that goes. But that's college football. When we get to the later of the week, Saturday, we'll have our preview and prediction show when that comes around. So, definitely be looking for that when that comes out. We'll have you ready for all the games this week because there's a lot of good ones. you got Michigan and Michigan State going to be the biggest game of the week. Ohio State, Penn State. you got Georgia, Florida, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, which is not allowed to be said anymore. So, that's – Real funny, obviously, because of how how that transpired, but not going to get into that. But other than that, I'm going to talk about just real quick. We're already going on 30 minutes here at this point. Going to talk about the World Series, kind of just give you some stuff to look at real quick. And both teams obviously deserve to be here. I saw one article that was talking about how we didn't even get the best teams in the World Series this, this year. That don't even make sense. Both teams beat whoever they were supposed to beat. They're here. They're the two best teams in baseball this year. It's just as simple as that. And I don't know how you could sit here and justify it. It just sounds like someone who was a fan of someone of another team and just as mad because their team didn't make it. But 
we saw Houston go through Boston and ended up taking them out in six games in the ACL ALC. ALCS, excuse me, and then we saw the Braves go through the Dodgers in six games in the NLCS, and this game to me, I mean this series is to me is going to come down to, and this is just the point I'm really just going to go through real quick, give you something to look at, and I'll give you a quick prediction on how I think the series is going to go, but anyways, looking at this, we've seen how Houston got hot there late in that series against Boston, but here's the deal, I feel like the Braves had one of the better pitching pitching units in baseball and so when it comes to this matchup are the Astros going to be able to get the bats going against the Braves lineup I mean because they're going to see Charlie Morton they're going to see Max Free they're going to see Ian Anderson so tonight you got the Astros going up against Charlie Morton their former player so it's going to be a good matchup to see when it comes to that also on top of it, I mean, are the Astros going to be able to find on the other side? Just talking about pitching is going to be something to really watch for here because for the Astros, I mean, you see them, Lance McCullers Jr., he's out for the remainder of the playoffs. They were hoping to see if they get him back, but he didn't play last series. He's not going to play this series. Couldn't get healthy in time. They told him he couldn't even touch a baseball or throw a baseball for six to eight weeks. It's only been three at this point, so there's just no way he's going to be able to make it. You see that Justin Verlander's been, I mean, absent for the whole season. You got uh, Zach Grinke's, he's, you know, not doing too well right now in his stretched out state. So, I mean, they're going to go into this with a, with a real with a real lineup kind of just pieced together. And so you see the Braves, their bats are starting to come alive. You got Rosario for the Braves, who's, I mean, hit two home runs in the game, game I think it was, what, game four against the Dodgers. Maybe it was game five. I can't remember it. Exactly. Excuse me for not remembering that. But then you had him crank one in game six against the Dodgers and gave them a three-run homer to really put go up 4-1. And that really just, I mean, give them the commanding lead they needed to be able to finish that out. But, I mean, just this game is really just going to come down to pitching. I really feel like which team has got the better pitchers. So, for me right now, looking at it, I think Atlanta has the better pitchers, especially with – well, they know, I know they have the better pitchers with the way it looks. Their lineup just – they seem good. They seem, they're not they – I mean, everybody's worn down when it comes to this time of year, but they look fresh. The Braves, I mean, just bullpens done a good job when they've came in. We saw that when they really bailed them out. In that sixth, seventh inning, Matzik, when he came in and threw three straight strikeouts to get the Braves out of that inning where it looked like the Dodgers were actually going to rally and tie the tie the game. They had runners on third and second. No outs. Matzik comes in, three straight strikeouts, and then pretty much took all the life out of the Dodgers at that point. Braves were able to finish it off. So going to be a real interesting series, but I think that's what you can look at, which pitching, pitching group is going to do a better job. And for me, I feel like with the way – that goes right now looking at that. I feel like the Braves got the better one. So I'm going to say Braves in – see, right now they got to go back to – they got to – they got uh, – the Astros got home field advantage. So I'm going to say Braves in six. I hope Braves in five so that the Braves can celebrate at home. But I'm going to say Braves in six. Probably just jinx them. I hope not. But this seems like a good year for Georgia sports. Obviously still trying not to jinx it because we've obviously seen – Things go bad real quick for Georgia teams when it comes to postseason play. So hopefully not. But with that said, that is it for the sports part of the show today. Like I said, if you want the political side, we will have that on the other 
other side on the other episode. Go find us there. Make sure you like and share this. Make sure if you're not subscribed to us already that you do subscribe. And be on the lookout for more content as it's coming out. We'll have our Thursday podcast like normal. We'll also have our Saturday preview and prediction show. Also, College Football Preview and Predictions article coming out Friday. So, a lot of stuff to look forward to. We will have all that for you. We will keep you updated on all breaking news that we normally do. You can find find all that on our social media pages. You can get that off our website at therevolutionsports.com. Make sure you check that out. And uh, with that said, though, that's our sports podcast. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you in the next one.